by naturopathicearth.com, here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hey everybody, this is A. Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Thank you so much for returning and forwarding this series of podcasts to other people. It means a great deal to me, and I've received feedback from overweight people, currently overweight or formerly overweight people, and how the podcast has really helped them process what they're going through. So I really do appreciate that quite a lot. Before we begin talking about my experiences post-weight loss my senior year in high school and some of the travails and tumults and misadventures that I had, just let me review some of the information about me. You can find me at naturopathicearth.com. You can find me on Facebook, of course, at A. Gregory Luna. Appreciate it if you would like my, Kate and my Facebook page at Naturopath Earth. You can find me at Twitter at A. Gregory Luna at Naturopath Earth. And you can find me on Instagram at naturopathic underscore earth. A couple of reminders. We do have a free PDF essential blend that we put on the website under freebies. If you go to naturopathicearth.com and click under freebies, Kate created a very nice, well-designed top 10 essential oils you can't live without PDF. So please print that off and disseminate it and give it to as many people as you like or print it off and keep it at your house. It's just a really easy PDF, just the top 10 and how to use them and what are they're most known for. Hopefully you listened to her first podcast, Naturopathic Essentials, when she talked about lavender that was released on Friday, the 7th of July. And I listened to it for the first time. Of course, that's my voice going over the, the intro and the extra. And I actually talked to her about, I really, really wanted to do my my smooth Middle Eastern Russian Latino accent. I was going to be something like, welcome to Naturopathic Essentials with Kate McCall. Turn on your diffuser and relax. She said, absolutely not, Gregory, you're a complete weirdo. So <laughs> this is my regular voice. But I hope you listen to it. Her voice is so great. I think she's got such a great feminine voice, very clear. And I just, I loved it. And I do know some things about aromatherapy, but nothing compared to her. So I did learn quite a bit. She is correct. I do use lavender quite a bit, especially with my insomnia, which is rearing its ugly head right now. The last three nights, I've only had about two and a half hours of sleep. So I've I've been struggling, but I continue to use her blends and I continue not to use the prescription drugs. So say a little prayer for me that I can overcome this little spell. Aside from that, uh, the raffle for a free essential blend made by Kate is going to be done very soon, and we'll announce it on Instagram. As you guys know, I am a health coach, so consider hiring me if you're wanting to lose weight. If you just want a mentor slash nutritionist slash coach to help you out, contact me. Post some comments and just contact us. Get on the mail list. I try to send out some emails every couple of days. I love it when you guys respond, so please do so. All right, so today we're going to talk about my senior year in high school. As I mentioned in how I lost my weight, I lost my weight by the very end of my junior year. And 
This podcast is going to deal with some of the residual vestigial effects of being an obese child and adolescent, and then pretty quickly, within five, six months, having lost the weight, some of the experiences that I had dealing as a, a newly skinny fat kid. And that's exactly how I describe it. I was a newly skinny fat kid. I was still an overweight boy, but in a skinnier person's body. And it's like I woke up one day and I'm like, who is this? Kind of like 13 going on 30 or big or one of those movies. I'm like, who is this? So what happened was my first experience with girls was in the summer of that uh, year between the junior and senior in high school. At my school, I went to a Catholic school. We had to do volunteer work, 100 hours of volunteer work before we could graduate. So my best friend and I, Dave, we decided to volunteer at a wholesale, kind of like a Goodwill store where people would donate their things and then you would try to sell them back. It wasn't Goodwill per se, but it was something similar to that over in Houston. And while we were there, we met two girls that went to this, this, the all-girls school, St. Agnes, which was right next to the school I went to. And one of those girls, Regina, which is queen in Latin, she was from Peru. She was, in fact, the daughter of the consul of Houston, the Peruvian consul of Houston. So you guys know that every country has an ambassador. Well, the large cities will have a consul, which is kind of their lieutenant. So it's a consulate, a consulate. So Peru had a consulate in Houston, and I started talking, and I dated the consulate's daughter, Regina. And I just... This is in 1992, so I don't have a lot of really vivid experiences, and some of them are a little graphic, which I won't talk about. Now, now I did not lose my virginity with Regina, just to be clear. I did not lose my virginity for a few more years. But we really hit it off. She was really nice. She had a very thick Latina accent because she was Peruvian. And um, I just remember talking to her a lot. We went to Dairy Queen a lot, and I remember our first kiss. And, I, of course, I never kissed a girl before this. And I do remember my first year after the weight loss, just having a lot of panic attacks. I, I would say more like sweat attacks. I had mentioned in Confession 3, The Invisible Student, how I had that problem later in graduate school where I would just walk into a room and just start sweating because I thought everybody was looking at me. And then I'd have to run out to the bathroom and pat my brow and pat my armpits. And then I go back in, I continue doing it. So I did have that problem early on with girls. I was just so uncomfortable with them. And I just felt like they would see through me and know that I was just still a fat kid and they should have nothing to do with me. Now, I will devote an entire podcast to my bloopy and my fat rolls. The bloopy is the affectionate name I had for my abdominal fat and my loose skin. But... I will say that definitely that first year, uh, in the first few months of that fall where I dated Regina, uh, no one was touching that area of my body. I was extremely self-conscious about it. And I felt like, well, if she knew about it, she would not want to date me. But I do remember our first kiss. We were moving some luggage to one of the storage rooms. And I don't know exactly how it happened, but we just kissed. And I just remember... Kissing, I was like, this is what kissing's all about after watching all those rom-coms and all those HBO shows and movies. Because I had HBO as a kid back when HBO was around. So, you know, you, you watch some of the more adult affair. Now, they didn't have porn or anything on, on HBO, but, you know, they'd have like a dramas or adult movies that had some sex scenes. Anyways, I always wondered what it would be like to 
kiss a girl. And so when we kissed, it was very hard. And I just remember our teeth bumping into each other a lot and a lot of like teeth grinding and bumping. And it was just not pleasant. I, I just remember that. It's like, and I don't think it was her. And I don't think I was her first kiss. She was pretty attractive. I think it was just, I didn't know how to kiss, right? I mean, I, how do you how do you learn to kiss unless you like kiss your arm or kiss the mirror? And I didn't do either of those things. But I was really excited. I felt like I joined the initiate. I was in the group, like with all the other high school kids, that I was able to kiss a girl. So I felt like going into my senior year, that I was like one of the guys, so to speak. And I dated... Uh, Regina, not long, just a couple of months. And I don't remember why we broke up. I, I don't recall. There's probably some emotional issue probably with me. I really can't blame her on that. But I do remember that when I, I came back to school, I started to hang out a lot with the theater kids because I've, when I mentioned in the opposite sex, my uh, my nerd friends and I would sit outside the audiovisual club. We had a television club that would broadcast all the news at school. And so they had like this little outdoor area where we were, we would eat lunch and we would scope out all the girls walking through the all boys school because on occasion during lunch, girls would come over or they would have classes. So we'd have our binoculars out and be checking out these girls. Well, right across, maybe about a hundred yards away from the audiovisual club was the theater. And so a lot of the theater girls would come over and hang out with the theater guys. And we would of course look at them through the binoculars And I knew some of the guys. And so somehow, maybe through a friend that was already hanging out there, I just started talking and and hanging out. And I got to know some of those girls. And at the time, this is early 90s, but I think the stereotype of theater girls then and now hasn't changed too much. They were pretty peculiar, a little eccentric, a little quirky, very, very theatrical, you know, into histrionics and whatnot. But I started having crushes on those girls, and I just remember always like liking younger girls. Like Regina was a senior, she was my age, but after that, my year in high school, I was seeing, talking to, kissing freshmen and sophomore girls, and I don't know why that was. I, maybe I thought I did I wasn't good enough to get a girl my age and that girls who were 15 or 14 would look up to an 18-year-old. And of course in retrospect I could see it being a little creepy, a little creepy, but at the time I was just desperate to interact with the opposite sex. And so I hung out with them and I made some friends with them and eventually I met, uh, I suppose she was my second girlfriend if we count Regina as the first girlfriend, I met a girl named Beth and Beth was a freshman and she was really great, really peppy uh, and we dated for about four or five months and she was great. She was very young, very, very young, but very sweet. I would say she was the first girl that I fell in love with. Knowing what love is, who knows what love really is, but at the time... Um, I was very romantic. And even now, you know, there's those two types of men, the player and the relationship type. And looking back in the last 25 years, uh, I'm definitely one of those relationship types. It's very difficult for me to do the the kind of Tinder-esque relationship where it's just hookup culture. That was never me. I tend to fall in love relatively quickly uh, with girls. That uh, it feels like, you know, you, you kiss and you talk and that's just the natural development is that you get into a relationship. And I was never the type, and I don't know if this is good or bad, to be like George Clooney 
Actually, I probably need a better reference now that he's married. But some, you know, inveterate bachelor like Leo DiCaprio, who can just jump from woman to woman and not have any sort of emotional entanglement. I was not like that. I was not. I I fell very hard for Beth. And I remember distinctly that we dated through the remainder of my senior year. And then when I went to college in San Antonio... I remember we had that talk that almost every couple has, right? It's like, oh, we'll stay together. We'll, we'll see each other every weekend. I'll try to come here. You go there. Da, da, da. Of course, she couldn't go there because she was 15. So I tried to come visit. But uh, eventually, of course, we broke up in a few months of that fall in my first year in college. And she actually dumped me for a junior. And I feel so embarrassed. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm a freshman in college. And I just got dumped by a sophomore in high school who wanted to date a, co- a junior in high school. So I was very, very embarrassed. But I never talked to her after that. I never saw her again, and I, I, I don't know how she's doing or what, what, what happened to her in her life. Hopefully she's doing well. But it was kind of like my first real relationship. And so I was very, very appreciative of that. I do remember one event that happened during that time that I was dating. One one night, I went to my friend's house, uh, my friend Al, and I don't know what happened, but these were kind of my quasi-friends. You know, I definitely had like the nerd camp friends that I was always friends with, and they didn't necessarily change uh, after I lost my weight. They were kind of the same, but then I made some, I, I suppose, newer friends, maybe these theater guys. Um, and they kind of mixed in with kind of a couple of my old nerdy friends. But I remember going to a party at one of their houses, at Al's house, and I distinctly remember them, for whatever reason, wanted to play a practical joke on me. And so they they chained me up to a fence. And they started whipping, or they started shooting whipped cream on me and whipping me with belts. The guys were just taking turns, and I was telling them to stop. I was like, stop, stop. And and I, looking back, I don't know why they did that, but it was definitely reminiscent of you know, the confession number four, confession number five, all the, the confessions where I was very bullied by older kids. And I just remember that always staying in my mind because I felt like these were my friends and, and for whatever reason, they felt the need to torture me. And I don't, I don't know if it was because they thought that I had changed or I was better than them or I had a girlfriend or they were envious or maybe I did become a total jerk. I really don't remember why they did this, but it was very traumatic because I thought, well, I lost my way and I was normal. And I didn't really make an attempt to befriend the really popular kids because to them, I was still probably going to be Fat Albert. But it was a major betrayal to have my quote unquote friends do this to me. And it was pretty traumatic. It was pretty traumatic and extremely humiliating. I remember they tried to take off my shirt and they tried to take off my pants, similar to the confession on the swimming pool where the bullies would take away my bathing suit. And we would call it a bathing suit loosely because remember it was just a hot pink fluorescent cotton pants, the only ones that my mom could find at big and tall stores. So it wasn't a real bathing suit per se. But it was kind of that experience where the bullies would try to strip off my bathing suit and throw it into the dumpster so I'd be naked. And it was just, it was very, very traumatic. It was very traumatic. During my time in in senior year, I continued to binge eat. I I continued to eat the way I ate uh, that the way I ate before I lost my weight. The only difference was I was doing calorie in and calorie out. I was 
going to that Stairmaster I talked about in the previous confession and doing my 50-minute, 60-minute super sweat cardio. And at the time, I didn't lift any weights. I do remember doing that little lift pool. I don't know what it was called, but it was the one where you could put weights on it. And so you could lift up only just a little of your weight because the weights that you'd put in would compensate for your lack of being able to do a pull-up or a chin-up. And I remember doing that, but I really didn't do a lot of lifting. Even today, I'm not a big fan of lifting. But back then, I was just doing a lot of cardio. So I do remember not eating particularly any better my senior year in high school. I do remember I still loved Dairy Queen blizzards. Blizzards were my thing. Oh, my God. Now that I'm lactose intolerant, I can't have them as often as I used to. But, oh, man, there's something about ice cream mixed in with candy bars that, I mean, for 20 years, I would just love those. I mean, I remember, and we'll talk about in my college years, Dairy Queen had something called a breeze for a little while, which was aspartame sugar-free yogurt. And so at the time, I didn't know anything about the dangers of aspartame. And so literally, I would go to Dairy Queen, and they would have these specials about four times a year where the, the small blizzards were 99 cents. And I would go and get like four or five blizzards and just get one at a time and just eat one, then eat the next, eat the next. I, it's not like I woke up one day and like, oh, I'm skinny. Oh, I have a normal, healthy relationship with food. No, it was the exact same relationship of food I had, but I think I had a purging mechanism, which was the exercise. Now, I never did I vomit in my last, well, my whole life, but in the 25, 27 years that I lost my weight, I never vomited, nor did I do laxatives or anything like that. My, pin, my purging was through exercise. And so I think that was the only way I was able to lose my weight. Now, I don't think I was binging like I was when I was 280 pounds or I was eating four or five Big Macs and two gallons of ice cream, but I was still eating the same junk food, but it was just less of that junk food. And what I would do is weigh myself on Fridays, and this is definitely something I did in college, and then I would really binge splurge over the weekend and then practically nothing during the week. And similar to when I was losing my weight, I'd weigh myself every Friday to see if I was gaining weight. For the first 10 years of my weight loss, maybe 15, no, about 10 years, I weighed myself all the time. And you see a lot of people who do this. They weigh themselves. I mean, there's people, that, girls in particular, that will weigh themselves two or three times a day, or if not, at least once a day. And you become obsessed with it. And your body's weight fluctuates naturally throughout the day. But early on, I'd weigh myself every Friday, and I would do steam rooms and saunas and whatnot to kind of do a, a biohack of that. So even back then, I was steaming, but I steam now for different reasons. I don't steam because of that. I was steaming back then because I thought that was a way to lose weight right before my weigh-in on Friday. I was like a wrestler or boxer who's going to perform Friday night. And so I would do like my big workouts Thursdays and Fridays and then just sit in the steam room uh, with, of course, clothes on because I was not comfortable with my body. Now when I go to the Y and I go to the steam room, I just go with a towel. I'm naked. But back then, you know, when you're 18, especially with the body hang-up issues I had, there was no way I was going to go in uh, naked. So I was fully clothed, which, which made me sweat even more. But I remember my mom, she, she was like, Albert, you know, very good, very, very good for losing your weight, but we are not going to get rid of your fat clothes. So she told me, so the whole time my, my parents, I guess maybe were hedging their bets and they're like, well, we don't know if Albert's going to keep his weight off. So uh, let's just keep all your, your overweight clothes. And so even though I did get some new clothes, 
And my brother helped by giving me some of his clothes, which I mentioned in the Popular Brother podcast. Uh, she kept all those clothes. And I and I guess I don't blame her, right? It's not like a lack of confidence that I'm going to gain it back. But as I mentioned before, large majority of people who lose their weight gain it back. And so maybe she, I don't know if she knew that statistic or she was just like, just to, just to be safe, we're going to keep it. So she kept all my clothes. So that didn't necessarily offend me. Um, like it maybe would offend uh, some other people. Also, I do remember my freshman year going to some dances uh, between dating Regina and Beth. Those are the first dances I went to. And I was extremely uncomfortable, just like I mentioned in The Opposite Sex, that one dance I went to in middle school where I just sat in the bathroom. At this one, it was at, it, I just remember a couple. And they were at uh, the, the gym of the girls' school. And it was like quintessential John Hughes, right? There's a fruit punch and girls dressed up. And I did slow dance a little, but it was very awkward. And I was sweating. And I and I don't remember the girls like ever making any comments, but I just felt really, really uncomfortable uh, going to these events. I did go to a couple of get-togethers, which looking back probably weren't parties, but these were like the theater kids having get-togethers at their house where they would just hang out and drink alcohol. And I was not a big fan of drinking alcohol during this time. I think I mentioned in the Popular Brother podcast as well that I was very adamant not to drink because I didn't want to be like my brother and like my dad, who were both heavy drinkers. And so I was not a drinker. And I think it was also a control mechanism that even today you see, because I don't like to drink. I feel like food is my outlet. And I'm worried that I might have an addictive personality where if I start to drink, that drinking might become it. And I just think that drinking is a worse habit to pick up than emotional eating. So I I didn't drink. And for many, many years, I wouldn't drink at all. At all, and that was partly due to the woman I was married to at the time was also uh, she abstained from drinking alcohol. And so, when you're with somebody who doesn't drink, it's certainly easier not to drink. And conversely, if you're with somebody who's getting drunk all the time, you naturally, or they say they get high all the time, you naturally are probably going to pick up that habit as well. Also. I wanted to mention that during this time, I developed a zone policy in my body. So when I was making out with my first girlfriends, and I want to say too that I did make out with other girls at this time. I wouldn't say I was like sowing my wild oats because again, I didn't have sex with any of them, but uh, I think it was just like kissing a lot. Like they'd come over to my house and my dad would be snoring in the couch and we'd sneak into the window and just make out. But I distinctly remembering having zones, black zone, gray zone, white zone in my body. So the white zone were areas that you could touch. And this was pretty much my face, maybe my shoulders, my arms, and my legs. The gray zones were going to be anything below maybe the, the collarbone and above the hip. And then the black zone was, of course, going to be my bloopy. I was extremely self-conscious of my fat rolls and I didn't want people touching it. And so I never took off my shirt. So for many years after I lost my weight, I never took off my shirt in public. It was similar to the scoliosis test that I talked about in episode five, episode four in the locker room. 
I just didn't feel comfortable. I know I didn't have the body of a normal person. I had these fat rolls under my arms and in my abdomen. And so when I did go swimming, because I did like to swim, which I mentioned in the the swimming pool episode, I would still wear a shirt. And so when I was making out with these girls and kissing, like anytime they put their hands close to my abdomen, my lower abdomen or on my sides, I literally say, ain't black zone, ain't black zone. And of course, looking back, God, it's such a romantic killer. But I did not feel comfortable. And I didn't feel comfortable with women putting their hands underneath my clothes. Because again, I felt like an imposter. I felt like a fraud. And then if they were to touch that, they would like, oh my God, you're fat. What am I doing with you? And they'd walk out. And even though a lot of these girls were like younger than me, right? Because I didn't think I could get girls my own age. They were freshmen, sophomores, and they probably looked up to me. Maybe they, they just made out with me or dated me because they, I was a senior, you know. Sometimes you, you see underclassmen like, oh, he's a senior. And maybe it had nothing to do with me, my personality, or my looks. Because at the time, I don't, I don't remember if I was good looking or not. I do have yearbook pictures after I lost my weight. And I guess it was in the very early 90s fashion to wear white slacks with bright fluorescent shirts because <laughs> those are all the pictures of me in the yearbook. Hot pink shirt, white pants. Very like, wake me up before you go, go by wham kind of thing. Even though this is early 90s. I, I don't know, maybe it was like the, the Gap fashion at the time because the Gap was humongous back in the early 90s. You know, we didn't have... Uh, Aeropostale or Abercrombie and Fitch or any Hollister, the companies that are big now. It was pretty much the gap was really big. But I was extremely self-conscious about people touching me. And that went on for years. And I will talk about that when I talk about my college years and then my years in my mid to upper 20s. But I did want to mention that because, guys, I know there's a lot of you who went through the exact same thing. And it, it cannot, it's not just women or men who've lost weight and they have a lot of fat rolls, but like women who just gave birth or they, they their body's not where they want it to be per se. They don't feel comfortable people touching it there uh, in the belly or in the, in the, in the derriere or the hips or whatever, so to speak. So I know a lot of you can relate to that. And, and I think the main thing that I, I just wanted to impart was, and I've mentioned this before, it's, just because you lose your weight doesn't mean you're like you've had a mind transplant or something like that. Or it's like one of those movies like Freaky Friday where you're just like a new person. I was still Fat Albert in my mind and I felt that I lived an imposter's life in this new skinny body. And I felt that I was going to be exposed at any time as a fraud. And I, I even definitely in the first year, but even now, guys, 25 years later, I am very loath or very reluctant to look at myself in the mirror without a shirt. Now, I run without a shirt now. I posted that video on, I think, on the Facebook page where I, I just talked about different ways to do cardio and I'm, I'm shirtless and I'm really sweaty because I just did some sprints. So I'm comfortable running and I, I, I go to the pool without a shirt, but I don't look in the mirror even now, but definitely right after I lost my weight when I was 18. I would not. I mean, I would shave with very dim lighting or I would shower in the dark and I would grab a towel right afterwards and I wouldn't even want to look at myself. I did not want to look at myself. And I don't know if this was just shame or if I looked at myself, I thought, oh my God, I'm 
fatter than I, I than I thought I was, and then I'd go through some anorexic stage where I wouldn't eat because you know right after you lose your weight, you're petrified. Of course, that you're going to gain it back. And so there's this very fine line with emotional eaters because it's like you don't want to give up the binge eating and you don't want to give up the emotional eating after the weight loss because it's a crutch, right? But at the same time, you're petrified that you're going to gain the weight, so you 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 walk on this very small line, this tightrope of worrying about binging, uh, worrying about gaining weight, but also wanting to binge. And so that persisted for a long time. I had mentioned that I was calorie in, calorie out for 20 years. And if you're not familiar with that expression, it's eating a lot of calories, calorie in, and then purging a lot of calories by excessive exercise through calorie out. Because there is no way in hell I wanted to go back to being overweight. It's like flowers for Algernon. I mentioned that book in the previous podcast. Once you taste the nectar, the ambrosia of the Greek gods, the forbidden fruit, you don't want you don't want that taken away from you again. You want to have it forever. But I didn't have the tools, the emotional tools. I didn't have the tools to know how to not to emotionally eat. And so that was still my crutch going into college. So that's where we're going to end it today. We are going to continue the next podcast on my college years because I had some very unique uh, things that happened to me during that time. So please, if you can, forward this podcast to others who were overweight as a child because I think it's really important. I've gotten some great feedback about people who's who are really appreciative of it. And I think that, and I'm not saying this because I get some money out of this or anything like that. You know, Kate and I do this website, uh, do this website and podcast uh, for fun and just just as a, a way to express and to bring awareness to people, either through the food toxins that we talk about in MPE radio or through this. So just please spread the word to other people about this podcast and please give us feedback as to how we can improve it. If you want me to talk less about pop culture, Okay, let me know. If you want me to talk more about pop culture, let me know. I will say this really fast right now. I've been watching on Netflix, Glow, uh, the the show about female wrestlers in the 80s. And the reason I'm watching this is two reasons. One, I love Alison Brie. I had a major crush on her when she was on Mad Men and on Community because she was really pretty but really nerdy. And I like nerdy, pretty girls. But also... I remember Glow as a kid. I remember this show used to come on right after Saturday Night Live in Houston where I grew up. And I have very vague memories of it because I must have been like nine or 10. But I remember they would do like, I don't remember the actual wrestling events of the women wrestling, but they used to have like these these dancing skits where they would do like a rap, like those early 80s raps. And not like the crappy George Michael raps, but like 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 the Sugar Hill Gang, like Dougie Fresh, like the Fat Boys, Curtis Blow, those, those early guys were in DMC. And so the girls would be in the background and then one girl would be in the front and, and the rap would be about her. And I don't, and I haven't researched this on Wikipedia, like the, the original names of the girls on Glow, because I'm just watching the show and I'm trying to kind of reminisce and remember through the show. But I do remember a character named uh, Dementia. And the thing about dementia was dementia used to always, she wouldn't talk. She'd just be, and she looked crazy. Kind of like if you're watching the show now, she's got that character, the wolf. It was kind of like her. And I'm wondering if she's going to become dementia later on, but I don't think so because I remember dementia distinctly in the late eighties. And I don't remember how long that show went on. 
But so dementia would do her little rap and all the women behind her, would all the, the female, uh, the glow girls, would all be behind her clapping and dancing and then the, she would do the main lines, but dementia wouldn't say anything because she was demented. And really her name should have been catatonic because she didn't say anything, but her name was demented and she had this really crazy look on her face. But it was like the, it was like really cute group rap, group rap. So I am very excited about that show. What I've seen of it so far, I do like it quite a bit. Alison Brie, I mean, she's doing really great acting, and they've really like made her look as bad as she possibly can. Because if any of you know her, she's a beautiful woman. She just married David Franco, who's James Franco's brother. He was on uh, Twenty One Jump Street and. Uh, neighbors with Seth Rogen. You'd recognize him if you saw him, but they just got married. But yeah, they make her not just look very 80s, but they kind of make her look really glam down, so to speak, which is great for her because you, know, you, you do not always want to be known as a pretty girl. And she's a great actress. She was really great as Trudy on Mad Men. So I'm really good, great. I'm really happy to see her. The other thing I want to mention is uh, Katy Perry's new CD came out and I listened to it and it's not that good. It really is not that good. And I loved One of the Boys. That was her her big CD with um, I Kissed a Girl and Hot and Cold. And I thought that was a great album. And I thought California Girls was great too. And But this one, ooh, it's not good at all. And she's got her hair. She cut her hair. And she kind of looks like Robin, a Swedish pop singer who's one of my favorite. And she kind of is copying her look. But I don't, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it. Right now, my song of the summer is probably uh, Bad Liar by Selena Gomez. I know I'm like way too old to be listening to 20-something-year-old pop singers. The Bad Liar is a great little catchy song by Selena Gomez. So that's my pop culture references uh, for the week. So until next time, guys, take care and God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Confessions of an Obese Child. Make sure to visit us at www.naturopathicearth.com for additional confessions, wellness articles, recipes, and a whole lot more. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Naturopath Earth. See you next time.